Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio, you guys raised over a million dollars uh, for St. Jude this year. Yep, and, and you know, right now with the unseasonably warm weather, we are still catching walleyes, pulling cranks and pulling spinners, but two pretty good sized pools that we can fish. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Lots to get to this week, including a huge bass tournament that takes place in Minnesota. It's been going on now for 25 years, and they just raised over a million dollars for St. Jude. Joe Hall is going to join us to talk about it later in the show. We'll find out what's going on in the Rainy River with Joe Henry, and we're going to talk about uh, what kind of weather conditions we got going on for waterfall hunters in Minnesota, why we like uh, the way this, well, we kind of like the way the season is structured. We'll explain that in just a little bit. We'll talk about what we're seeing on trail cameras for deer movement and more. Uh, that's Dan Amundsen right there. Dan, what's up? Hey. David Eckhart is joining us uh, from his combine. No. Before getting nope. into his combine, he's <laughs> got farming to do, so he's on location right now. And this is who our sponsors are this week on the show. Live Target. Match the hatch with Live Target Lures at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this fall or winter at LakeofTheWoodsMN.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at HaybellHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter this fall at OttertailLakesCountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. Filming continues for the new season, but you can watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. So we're in the split currently. This past week has been uh, a closed season for our zone. We're in the central. We're, we're kind of right on the border with the southern zone, too. So the central and southern zones have been closed for the waterfall season. Uh, for this past week, we reopened this weekend. Northern zone obviously was open. I've been in favor of the splits for a long time, and this past week shows you exactly why. Uh, how many days were in the 90 degree? I guess Sunday the season was still open, but it was, what, 90 degrees Sunday, Monday. It's pretty hot on Tuesday. Uh, even fairly warm. I know the weather started to change later in the week a little bit, but I didn't really see any waterfall movement. Uh, we would have sweated our backsides off in waders or, or wherever. Obviously, not a lot of crops out yet for field hunting. Um, so to me, I don't know if you guys want to weigh in this or not, but I'm okay with the splits. For people that don't like the splits in the southern part of the state, this is why the splits are here, so we can hunt a little bit later into the season i don't know david what did you see for bird movements this week anything i didn't really see anything moving as far as you know the first part of the week but now that it's getting colder we'll definitely have some new birds pushed in for this coming weekend when it opens back up which is perfect i mean i did see a flock of geese one morning uh this week which obviously were new birds we hadn't we hadn't really had any geese where I'm at around here, so to see a flock like that come through, obviously that's uh, that's new. So birds are going to start migrating anyway with time of day, length of day, uh, things like that. They just start to do it anyway. But uh, with this weather change, we should start to see some birds around. So I'm excited about that. Split was good this year for us. This cold front is about perfect timing. Uh, of course, we'll be filming this weekend. So we won't be hunting. We didn't. We wouldn't have had time to hunt this week anyway, Dan. No, we have yet to hunt Minnesota yet. Yeah. Well, teal season. We hunted teal season. So regular season is still not started for the Amundsens. 
Yeah, that's all right. It's it's too early anyway. I like it later, <laughs> as it is. Uh, especially as the crops come out, that's going to be better for pheasant hunting, which is going to be opening up soon. But how is uh, how is the crop harvest going? I know we had some rain that slowed things down a little bit, but it looked like uh, midweek things started to ramp back up. Yeah, we got more rain on Tuesday now, so that's slowed us down. But um, yeah, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday before the rain, there was a lot of crops that got taken out. So it's moving right along. Seen started doing a little bit of corn on Tuesday, and uh, yeah, saw a bunch of pheasants in there. So that's a good sign. I think we had a pretty good year for the hatch again for pheasants this yeah. year. So I think it's going to be a pretty decent fall uh, for that. I saw um, some some moisture levels for some of the beans that were getting taken out uh it's been pretty dry this year hasn't it yeah they're super dry the beans are super dry the stems are still really green which makes them tough to combine especially when the seeds are so dry but yeah they're uh they're ready well i've definitely seen an increase in uh, deer movement since some of the crops around around my place have been starting to come out are you seeing uh some more buck activity uh what are you seeing right now out there and on your trail cams um it was with the full moon there was a lot of nighttime activity not a, not a ton of daylight movement but i have seen more movement and now the last couple of days it's kind of trailed off i don't know why but if they're just not coming to my food plots or what they're doing. But um, I would expect with this cold front that they're going to be hitting those food plots pretty heavy now. Yeah, wasn't everybody saying that Wednesday last week was supposed to be a good day, according to yeah. all their predictions? Yeah, um, uh, Friday will be the good day this week. Friday, okay. Hmm. We'll be we'll be filming a bass tournament on Friday. That's right. I, um, I will probably be farming. Farming. <laughs> wishing I was in a deer stand. Well, I finally just went, I, I kind of went out and upgraded all my stuff. I got new, some new arrows, some new broadheads, new uh, uh, lighted knocks, and um, got my bow tag. That was an upgrade since I <laughs> didn't, didn't have my tag yet this year. Um, went out, checked all my stands, and put some new straps on and put up some new cameras. I have spy point. I, I have, they sent me some more cameras. I have so many trail cameras up. It's kind of crazy for a while. I had to stop the message. It was really windy the other day, David, and I know you've got yours set so you don't get bombarded with messages. I finally had to set mine because I, I had like eight different cameras sending me pictures of weeds <laughs> and tree branches blowing in the wind. So it was kind of wild there, but I did notice uh, one day last week, Tuesday, I think it was, I had deer all day on one of my cameras actually just you know they're all does but uh activity throughout the entire day middle of the day morning late morning afternoon um so some some animals are, are still kind of moving around quite a bit during the day or they started moving around quite a bit during the day i guess but yeah i think i've got a camera that had the same thing on that same day there was a doe and two fawns that just stayed into that sat in that food plot all day do we have a camera in the same place there. david 
Did you put a Maybe. camera on my... <laughs> <laughs> We're doubling up on cameras. Well, okay. I'm excited. You know, normally I don't really start to bowhunt heavy until uh, later in, you know, in October towards the end of the month. So um, I'm sure I'll, once we get done, we got a pretty heavy filming schedule for Prairie Sportsman over the next couple of weeks, but we'll have to sneak into the stand a little bit and hopefully get something, something knocked down. Um, uh, I know it's not the time of year to talk about turkey hunting, but something just happened in Aiken that I wanted to mention. I saw this on the outdoor feed. If you want to uh, kind of stay up to date on some outdoor events and, and topics and things that are happening around the country, the outdoorfeed.org is uh, a great place for that. It's all powered by members of Aglow, the organization that we're a part of. So we've got outdoor writers and content creators, podcasters and things like that, constantly posting things at the outdoor feed. And the National Wild Turkey Federation Aiken Gobblers chapter kicked off its first Jake's Day with over 70 kids attending for a day of learning all the joys of the outdoors. So uh, Jake stands for Juniors Acquiring Knowledge, Ethics and Sportsmanship. And they had a number of learning stations where kids spoke with experts engaged with the activities at each station, including hunter and shooting safety led by Minnesota DNR CEO. They were shooting 22s. They were doing some fishing. They had BB guns out there, uh, some trapping info, turkey calling and more. Quaker boy calls actually provided all the kids with a turkey call package. Uh, so that's very cool. So uh, congratulations to the Aiken Gobblers chapter with their first Jake steak and learn more about that at the outdoor feed. Dot org. And while you're online, make sure you check out our YouTube channels. We've got four of them that you need to go see. Uh, this one right here, Sporting Journal Radio. We've got the Tazan Lake Lodge one, Tazan TV. We've got the Prairie Sportsman channel that you can watch all the Prairie Sportsman episodes on YouTube. And then our latest is the Fish Hunt Forever channel. And we've got a new video on there that we posted, a new film called 1956. It's about an epic waterfall hunt that took place in 1956, and we brought one of the hunters back. Uh, so how many years later that was? He was 16, so, you know, 1956, Dan, do the math. 19, no. 2022, 22 plus uh, 43, so 60-some years, 68 years later. Wow. Something like that, 60-some years later. Brought him back up to experience Saskatchewan once again and uh, had a pretty epic trip up there. Here's Dan talking about the experience. You can watch that right now on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. And, of course, you can see our Kodiak film there. You can see some of our video footage from our trip to Saskatchewan, which, David, uh, the three of us were up there. Dan's got a brand-new video that's going to be going up on that channel. Maybe it's up there by now. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Otherwise, it'll be up here probably this weekend. <laughs> Go check to find out. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. It might you be tell me. Viewers hunt forever. So, David, this was an edge hide last year that we did. And we had a hunt like that this year with you up there, only it was in a pea field. And that's the video that's going up or is up on the Fish Hunt Forever channel now. That pea field hunt was, uh, was pretty wild, wasn't it? Yeah, that was so fun. And the birds didn't care didn't see the blind or just didn't care and yeah they they did it we had the right amount of wind i think yeah and they just didn't hesitate pea fields are flat they're hard to hide in but the ducks and geese absolutely love them uh so we had a setup for a side shot and the best part was it i think those birds got hunted the day before or two days before that or something like that like those birds got shot up pretty pretty hard in that field yeah. right before us and we still went in there and smashed right after that yeah they so, didn't they didn't care <laughs> yeah, that was cool except the, the ducks we missed the the ducks that came in yeah but 
that'll, you'll have that. So uh, check all that out. Check out the YouTube channel, Fish Hunt forever all right we're gonna talk rainy river with joe henry see what the fall shiner run is like when we come back and then we got a really cool story about a huge bass tournament on the mississippi river down in the southeastern part of the state with joe hall he'll tell us all about it coming up later on sporting journal radio 852 million acres of public land 147 million private properties all in the palm of your hand the number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Now we're going to talk to Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism to find out how fishing up on the big lake and the Rainy River is going right now. Joe, how you doing? Hey, gentlemen, doing good. How are you? Not bad at all. It's uh, fall. It's that time of year where the walleye bite's really picking up. Fishing is getting good, but so many people are walking around with shotguns. I know I saw somebody post the other day on uh, on Facebook or something. They just wanted to thank all the hunters out there because now they have all their fishing spots to themselves. So it can be a really good time to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods, can it? Oh, it's, it's, it's such a good time up there. You, you know, fall is a special season everywhere. And, you know, Lake of the Woods, I mean, I'll give you an example. And this is an anomaly. I don't want people to think that this is the norm. But I just saw a little video one of our resorts posted up the northwest angle where, you know, they asked the guide how many fish he caught today. He goes, ah, between 200 and 250 walleyes. Wow. Now, that's an incredible day, right? I mean, just, are you serious? And that, that'll happen. Those fish will get bunched up in the fall. With that being said, I also want to share that, and I've also talked to some other folks. I had a couple of relatives up there, a brother and sister, and they uh, they were pulling spinners, and uh, they they caught their fish. But they caught their fish. You know, they didn't, they didn't get 100 fish. They didn't get 50 fish. They probably caught 20 fish or something. So, um, which, which, you know, for <laughs> it's like one guide said one time, yeah, you know, fishing's a little slow up here right now. And this isn't now, this is another year ice fishing. Yeah, fish is a little slow up here right now, but it's still better than anywhere else you'll go. Well, I don't know if it's that true, but it's kind of a funny statement, I thought. And it's still Lake of the Woods. You know, when when you're balking at 20 fish, walleyes, not so bad. Yeah. I've had good days where I've caught five. <laughs> one. <laughs> or one and been pretty happy about it. You, you so. know, I tell you, you know, uh, it depends on where you're at. You know, and that's, that's how that's... It's all perspective. Yeah, I think people's expectations of Lake of the Woods are, are pretty darn high, and uh, and that's why, right? Well, this time of year, people are w- wondering how the Shiner Run on the Rainy River is doing, and uh, I'm sure people are catching fish in the river as well as the lake right now. Yeah, they, they are. Um, I put out a fishing report, you know. Um, I usually put a fishing report every Monday, and, you know, my, my report is, hey, there are Shiners and walleyes in the river. The, the run has started. Now, with that being said, it's not wild and crazy. You know, it's not like they're running so thick and there's so many walleyes, but I can tell you that between, you know, guides posting things about 
You know, they can see the birds diving after the shiners. They can see shiners on their electronics. In one case, uh, somebody was using a live scope, and they could see a huge school of shiners, and there's wallets underneath, but it's hard to get those wallets to go. And I, but, but then again, there's people catching fish, you know. So yeah, there, there's things happening. Even though we've had summer-like weather, the days are still getting shorter. You know, Mother Nature has a way of pushing things along, even if season uh, temperatures are unseasonable. And um, that's kind of where we're at right now. If we haven't had that cold, uh, that cold weather yet, which we, we consider fall in, in October. And uh, but it's coming. It's coming. Now you can always pull spinners up there. You can pull crankbaits, but the most fun way, fun, the most fun way to catch walleyes, in my opinion, although although live scopes and jigging wraps are probably probably taking over my favorite way to catch walleyes, but uh, just jigging in general, jigging a, a emerald shiner or something like that is one of the most fun ways to catch walleyes up there, and that's that's kind of the typical bite this time of year, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know, right now with the unseasonably warm weather, we are still catching walleyes, pulling cranks and pulling spinners. But, you know, that jig bite in the fall, I mean, that's what people look forward to. And you know what? It's interesting, you guys, when you go out on the lake, you know, a lot of times what you do is you'll go out amongst the big school of walleyes, typically you anchor up, and then you're going to be using a, a jig with a, oftentimes a frozen emerald shiner uh, right over the side of the boat. And, you know, yeah, you, you hook that shiner in a such way that, um, you have pictured a, a stinger hook and you know you can you can use a stinger hook that it's a, an extra piece of you know, two three inches of a monofilament with a little treble hook the metal the treble hook will be in the tail of that shiner so in essence if a walleye bites that minnow at all they're going to get a hook in their mouth um the other way to do it is to just hook a shiner on a jig and you can take that that hook of the jig and put it through the mouth of that emerald shiner out that gill and then push that minnow all the way up to the jig head as far as you can, and then you can hook the the jig, um, the hook of the jig, about midway through the back of that shiner, which catches you more fish. On Lake of the Woods, it's it's not gin clear water, so you can get away with hooking a shiner kind of weird like that. Um, you know, it, it's that stained water. If we were in a gin clear water situation, I think that those walleyes would be a little bit more temperamental on how we hook the the minnow and what kind of action and if it was a certain way or not. You know. Joe, I've got one one tip that I learned last time I was up there jigging shiners, and this was a thing I actually learned uh, using barbless hooks up in Canada. But have you ever heard of bait buttons? I have. Yes, I yeah. have some. So I kept having my shiner slide off, and granted, I wasn't probably hooking it the best, but it kept sliding off, or a fish would pull it down, and it wouldn't have the same firmness, or it would start to thaw out a little bit. So I slid one of those bait buttons on, and I was probably able to get two or three fish instead of just one per shiner and wouldn't have them slide down when I was jigging them a little harder, it could rip jig them a little harder too. So. Well, you, you rip jig and then of course, if you're casting, certainly, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. You know, and really for people listening, you know, what, what a bait button is, is it, and the way, what people used before they, they used a bait button, Danny, is they'd take one of their plastic worms that they, mm -hmm. yep. that wasn't, they weren't, and just break a little bit of piece of plastic worm off. You'd, you'd hook your, your minnow on a jig and then you take that little piece of plastic worm and just put that over the hook so that that minnow can't fall off the other side. It's kind of stuck on there, you know, and and that, that's a good way to keep it on there. And I don't do that, you know, when I'm when I'm jigging like that, just because I'm not rip jigging so much. But yeah, if you're casting or rip jigging like you said, I think that's a great idea. Um, so we we talked about the lake. I, uh, one thing I'll say about the river is that when you're when you're jigging the river, you know, it's one of those things where um, you, you know you, you use a jig the size um, of the current you're fishing. So. There's times where when the water's really ripping, which it isn't now, but when the water's really ripping, you know, we might be using a one ounce jig. Now, n normally you might be using a quarter ounce jig, you know, in that, in that current. Um, 
the other thing I'll say is sometimes you can add a few little tweaks to your jig to catch some more fish. There's jigs that have little spinners coming off the back. There's some jigs that have rattles in them. There's some jigs like a Whistler jig that has a propeller on it. You know, especially in that stained water, adding a little bit extra noise like that can be a, can be a darn good deal. Um, you know, we also use fathead minnows. We use chubs. We use different kind of minnows. And uh, uh, But, boy, I tell you, those, those emerald shiners, um, typically you get them frozen this time of year. When they start running, you can get them live. Live minnows even better. You, you put an emerald shiner on that jig and it's still a little bit alive and it's twitching a little bit, <laughs> watch mm-hmm. out. Well, I'll tell you, and and I know plastics are are uh, have been working up there as well too. And the more we we jig, it seems like the the less we use live bait. So it's nice when you can get on a plastic plastic jig bite, and and especially a scented plastic, it'll help you out in that water up there. But one thing I'll say about that is, and and I agree with you 110 percent, Brett. But one thing I'll, I'll say is that you know our guides uh, who fish Ontario waters, you, you can't bring any live bait into Ontario. You can't bring any bait period from Minnesota into Ontario. That's against the law now. So, you know, there's been a lot more plastics being used. When the bite is good, both plastics and live bait work great. When the bite is tough, there's been boats right next to each other. And the boat with live bait who bought the bait in Canada, there, there's some places that sell it there just over the border from the northwest angle. But when the bite is real tough, the boat that was used in live bait was significantly outfishing the bait that yeah. was used in just plastic. That's not a tough bite. Sure. Well, I'm excited. It sounds like we're going to try to get up there this fall for a trip, maybe do a little bit of hunting and fishing. And if people want to get their own cast and blast trip or maybe start thinking about an ice fishing trip to Lake of the Woods, Joe, what should they do? You know what? Best way uh, is our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, from Joe Henry to Joe Hall, we'll talk about a big old bass tournament when we come back. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTAC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed Ultra Point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTAC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers coming soon from live target northern minnesota's walleye factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination the perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to lake of the woods fish big traverse bay the rainy river or visit the unique northwest angle to catch big fish you have to go where the big fish are plan your trip to lake of the woods at lake of the woods mn.com that's lake of the woods mn.com all right, there's a big tournament taking place this weekend uh, on the Mississippi River down by Wabasha, and it's it's really a good tournament. It's really a good cause. It's something that's been going on for 25 years now. They raised a record amount of money, over a million dollars. We're going to find out all about this tournament, who they raised the money for, and why it's such an important tournament right now with committee chair uh, Joe Hall, who joins us on the show. Joe, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So this is the, uh, the, the Dick Hiley Bass Classic that takes place. It's been going on for 25 years. Normally it's in, in June, is that right? Uh, we do it the first weekend of May, generally. May. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but, but the, the water was a little high in May this year down there. Yeah, yeah, it's, we kind of have a, uh, a tough situation where we don't have a lot of ramps that can really handle you know, 80 boats in this area. 
um, if the water does get high, but it, you know, it's a safety issue and, you know, we don't, we don't want to be running around causing damage when people are trying to save their bank from erosion and, you know, pull out their docks. So we've, we've kind of drawn a hard line in the sand as a committee of, you know, if that, that uh, river level get, gets above about 12 foot, it causes us just really too many operational problems. Oh, it was a mess down there this this spring. I don't blame you. I'm sure it was a nightmare rescheduling that and doing it in October. It's you're always taking a few chances when you schedule a tournament in October. But obviously, the biggest thing about this tournament, it's not necessarily the bags. Obviously, it's a, there's a what a twenty five thousand dollar prize, I think. Uh, so the bags are important. But the most important thing is that you guys raised over a million dollars for St. Jude this year. Yeah, that's right. I think we've we're going to be ending up with seventy six teams total. Uh, I've had a couple drop due to the reschedule, which I understand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's really no words that can put in. You know, I can really explain how amazing this is that eighty teams or you know sub eighty teams raised a million dollars in one year for this event. Um, it's it's something that. You know, we're we're a lot of blue collar people. We're we're not professional athletes. We don't have money just you know coming out of uh, every pocket. But we work hard and we we fundraise from people that uh, you know are our neighbors, our friends, our family. And the great thing about this group is, if they have twenty dollars, they're going to give you twenty dollars. If that week all they have is ten, they're going to give you ten because it's such an amazing cause. Uh, so we don't have these huge donors coming in, but we're talking about thousands and thousands of people that have helped us get to this million dollar, but it's the teams, the 76 teams that just have worked so hard putting on events, doing different um, fundraisers as far as events, uh, raffles, uh, a lot of creative different ways that guys raise money. That's how you get in the tournament as well, right? You have to raise a sure. certain amount? That's correct. Uh, several years ago, we implemented a, uh, a $500 uh, minimum to, to be in the tournament. You, of course, there's the entry fee that's 350, but you had to raise at least 500 to get in the tournament. Um, and then we had an accelerator where if you raised 1500, your winnings, if you won any money and, and were getting a check at the end of the two days, would go up by uh, 50% or something they're close to. Um, and now for the 25th year, if you raised 5,000, uh, you are eligible for the, f the first place prize goes from then $5,000 to $25,000. So I think if I'm not, if I'm speaking correctly, when I looked last week, we had 50 to 55 teams that raised over that $5,000 mark. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, it's, yeah. it's great to see anglers uh, who care so much about the cause for something like this. That's really neat. It is. And, you know, I think, you know, fishing is one of those things that, you know, especially when COVID hit, it was the one thing that we could do as families, one thing we can do, you know, with our friends. Um, and everybody, you, you think about, okay, it might not be my child that ever has to utilize St. Jude, but it could be my friends. It could be my brothers. And how lucky are we that we've made it to this point in our lives and we haven't had any issues, but, I think what drives us is that the experiences that we've had, we want to be able to try to give back and, and give these kids an opportunity to, you know, get their driver's license, go to prom, um, 
you know, those fun things that you do first for the first time in your life. And uh, after visiting the, the hospital in Memphis several years ago, I know that was a huge motivator to just see these kids that were very positive, little warriors. And, you know, we're, we're just doing the best we can to try to help them. You know, there's only one issue I see here. Uh, according to uh, Katie Hickman, this has been around for 25 years and you've only fished 24. What the That's heck? Right. <laughs> well, I, I'm a man. I'm 40. I just turned 40. So um, back in the day, uh, there's a set of rules where you had to be uh, 16 to fish it. Okay. So I wasn't old enough to fish it the first year. Hmm. And uh, my partner and I, we fished to, fished it together every single year, and uh, yeah, it's it's been amazing that you know we started fishing it. We were just kids ourselves, and now his two kids are both graduated high school. And uh, but I that that core group of guys that started it and had the the idea for this, I really don't know that they thought it would ever get to this point. I certainly didn't. And really, it you know starting to fish it as a child didn't really understand how important this could be, but I can tell you today that this has by far been the most important, most amazing thing that I've been a part of in my life. It's, it's wild. Like I heard about it from a number of people this year saying, Hey, you guys, this is a huge tournament. It's such a good cause. You have to be down here, film it for Prairie Sportsman, get them on the podcast. And, and, uh, we were, uh, we didn't hesitate. We were all about it. I mean, we were ready to go in May to come down, and then obviously it, it got rescheduled. So we're happy to be a part of it here in October. Uh, I, I, looking at some of the pictures, like what Dan showed there, and then there's a there's a video uh, that we were able to watch from the event. There's some recognizable names and faces that are part of this tournament. Talk about maybe talk about who are some of the people that uh, our listeners and viewers might recognize that are part of this. Well. Um you know, Fat Cat Newton is our uh, MC, and he's become, you know, he was kind of a goofy guy that did a lot of, uh, you know, YouTube videos. But when we asked him to be a part of this, we didn't have any idea. He actually had leukemia as a child. Mm. And he started to open up after about his first year to us. And honestly, it's gone both ways that, you know, we, we don't just see him as an internet personality, we care about him. And he talk, he he cuts open a vein and talks about how that, you know, when he got cancer, his whole family got cancer. You know, it affected his his mom and dad, their financial situation and their marriage way more than it affected anything in his life. That's, that's Fat Cat right there, who's now, he's lost over 250 pounds, I think it is. Um, Matt Hall, uh, right here, tournament director, the Zumbro Valley, uh, Bassmaster group comes over and actually kind of runs the operations. So it's a super smoothly ran tournament. You know, I fish tournaments all over the country and they could, they could take this blueprint and really take it anywhere uh, with, with the way they've got it set up. But we've had, you know, anglers, you know, obviously local uh, kind of celebrities like Dean Capra, Scott Bonema. Uh, we've had, uh, of course, Ted Capper used to fish it back in the day before we lost Teddy. Um, we've had uh, George Cochran, you know, Bassmaster Classic winner. Uh, Jacob Wheeler came up a few years ago and fi fished it. But you're going to have a group of absolute hammers from both the Twin Cities, River Region, 
um, down here, Southeast, Iowa, Wisconsin. And I believe that the reason that this has been so successful as we as tournament anglers are so just we are we're so competitive with each other it could be a coloring contest (laughs) and somebody said well start raising money for your boat position to leave the first and second morning and it just absolutely took off and when we hit a hundred thousand it was kind of like all right we we got that milestone and then it kept going and kept going and last year when we hit 735 fat cat set it on stage which we all we're kind of thinking it in the back of our mind one day we'd want to get to a million dollars but he said it out loud that next year that's our goal and some of us kind of cringed but we knew that with hard work it was possible and we got there that's I mean, amazing it, amazing it just I- is Joe Hall is our guest right now, <clears throat> talking about the Dick Hiley Bass Classic coming up this weekend in Wabash on the Mississippi River. We got to take a quick break, but more with Joe. We want to talk about how this tournament started, like where where the the inspiration for this came from. We'll talk more about that when we come back here on Sporting Journal Radio. Did you know there are more than one thousand lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. We're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network. By demand, sportingjournalradio.com. Downloading the podcast, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like, and share it. we got a really cool story this week. We're talking about the Dick Hiley Bass Classic that's taking place this weekend on the Mississippi River down in Wabasha. And Committee Chair Joe Hall joins us right now uh, once again on the show. Um, Joe, Mississippi River, I mean, we being... Minnesota walleye anglers, we think of, you know, the the different pools to go walleye fishing and that, you know, you can fish year round, we can fish out of a boat in February, you know, that's kind of where our brains are most of the time when we think of the river, but it's a pretty good bass fishery too, isn't it? It's, it's excellent. Um, I, like I said, I've traveled all over the country, been to a lot of different places, but I think that the dynamics here are very interesting. You can fish for smallmouth, you can fish for largemouth, you can uh, just about fish them any way you want to and uh, i just know growing up on this river uh we've we've seen some probably ebbs and flows the last 10 years but from what it was when you know i grew up with a 14 foot john boat on the bank back in the you know mid 90s uh, it's just incredible it's it's a it's a very resilient fishery i'll put it that way and, and of course you guys know that from the walleye side as well from you know we obviously see some reproduction and um you know failing numbers and failing uh, reproduction classes uh, with the walleyes in certain areas yeah talk about what the river's like there because river fishing it doesn't always come to mind when you think of bass fishing but it's it's uh i mean you're fishing the river down there for bass but there's there's a lot of like backwater and some different habitat that you can fish isn't there yeah there is and you know that's going to probably be the biggest difference between when we usually have this event in may and where it is right now you know right now we're at uh, basically as low as they'll let 
the pool get for the, obviously the barges navigational channels. Um, in the spring, we're usually three to five feet higher than this, which opens up a ton more backwater space. Now, that's got another element to it where obviously we have duck hunters out there where we will oh, yeah. this weekend. And so, you know, we want to stay out of their way at, or at least try to work together um, that we're, we're not, you know, getting in each other's way. But, you know, the, I would say a lot more of the main channel um, current oriented is the big going to be the big deal right now. And uh, Lake Pepin can certain come certainly come into play and we can fish all the way down to um, the uh, lock five, which is down just north of Bass Camp. So we've got two pretty good sized pools that we can fish. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to probably jump in a boat and, and do some filming this weekend down there. So is it, is, do you mind if we bring our shotguns and a bag of decoys? Is that, is that going to be? No, I, I always, <laughs> I always keep one in the rod locker. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. But I'll tell you, if you're going to go duck hunting, it's better to have a bass boat than one of those, you know, green flat bottoms. They don't tend to fly away from a shiny bass boat, but <laughs> right. a, a grass blind that's on top of a, a green boat. Yeah, they will. They see it coming. They know. Oh yeah. That's funny. Well, you brought up kind of the mid nineties on the river down there and that's, you know, I suppose mid to late nineties probably is when this, this tournament started. What was the, how did it get started? Who started it? What was the the reason behind getting this tournament going? Well, there was a group of guys that got together. Um, I, I don't know all the players that were there, but uh, like I said, Scott Bonham, I know was, was part of that. Uh, Dick Hiley, who, you know, his name is on the tournament now. And, you know, the first year, I think we raised $11,000. And a lot of that was, you know, from the entry fees. Uh, there was a portion of it that just went right to St. Jude. And then if you won money, uh, they would, you know, if you didn't, you didn't have to, but when you went up to collect your money, um, they'd give it to you in cash and you could give cash back to, you know, the tournament director and it would go right to St. Jude's. Uh, Dick Hiley was the first person that started kind of fundraising on the side and just saying, hey, I can ask people for donations and they're happy to donate to St. Jude's because everybody knows what a fantastic cause it is and everybody knows that it's, you know, one of the good charities that, you know, very high percentage of your dollar that's donated actually goes to the hospital. And then it just kind of really took hold and and then we implemented you know the starting boat order where how much money you raise uh guarantees you your boat start for the first first day um and then the, the second day if you're in the top or if you were in the top 10 of fundraising your position is locked there as well uh, so for example i think our first place team this year raised one hundred and sixty six thousand dollars. oh wow so they knew they were going to go out boat one both days. So it could be a big deal, but what really has gotten this this number to get so large is there were guys that, you know, they knew they had no ability to raise 100,000 or 20,000, but they took it upon themselves to take their fundraising from a $500 minimum, and some of them have surpassed the $5,000 and $10,000 marks, and it's still the way that the fundraising has increased, it still hasn't really changed their boat number, but it just shows the selflessness and that it's become more of a competition of how much money can we raise? 
We're competitive as individuals, but we're also extremely competitive as a group. We wanted to hit that million dollar mark, and I just I can't believe that everybody worked their tails off enough to make it happen. Do, do you, have you announced who raised how much? Do you want to say who the first place boat was? Um, the first place one. Uh, Jamie Gibson and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his partner's name, um, but I we will have him up and, and talk with them. Um, and he's been our number one fundraiser for a couple of years now, maybe four years. Oh wow! And again, it was just it was it was somebody that. Um, it took, he took it as a personal challenge that he wasn't going to be boat three anymore. He wasn't going to be boat four. And he didn't, didn't care so much about the starting position. He just wanted everybody to know that he could raise more money than them. <laughs> and that's a wonderful thing when we're talking about all these proceeds go to St. Jude. So, um, you know, we've had some uh, amazing teams that have joined that didn't fish it because they didn't think they could raise the money. And within a year or two, they're raising upwards of $10,000. And it's so inspirational to see that. And, uh, you know, my story, our group hasn't raised, you know, that much money um, that quickly. So it really took us a long time to, to get there and figure it out. Talk about what people that aren't a part of the tournament right now can do. Can they, can they donate? Can they come watch? Can they come watch the weigh-ins? Can they watch the weigh-ins online somewhere? And then what about people that want to fish it? Is it capped at 80? And is there ever any openings for other anglers? So first of all, we you know we do kind of have a goal that we'd like to have a waiting list for this tournament. We, we'd like to, and there really should be, that you know we'd like to have that demand. Um, but we cap it at 100, and we haven't hit 100 yet. Um, but uh, Saint, we have... Uh, I believe the website is stjude.org backslash Dick Hiley. And that would take you to kind of the St. Jude page. But we also do have a public Facebook page where we will be posting results. We'll be live streaming the weigh-ins. And if I guess if I could ask for anything, it would just be to share that Facebook page. Just, just because there's so many things going on with this event and there's so many people that don't know about it. And I really think that everybody should know about this. I mean, I, every year I'm at the at the weigh-in and some somebody walks up and asks what's going on and I'll explain it to them and how much money we raised. And they're like, this is a really big deal. Yeah. And I said, yes, this is a really big deal. So I'm hoping that this year, now that we've hit a million dollars and it shouldn't have taken this much, but now that we have that, you know, maybe we will start to get some national recognition and who knows maybe somebody can copy our blueprint and they can do this somewhere else maybe maybe a walleye tournament could do it um i think there there's a lot of ways that this could be utilized and it doesn't you know have to be uh here in the midwest it could be anywhere in the country and i just i, I think that it's a great way for people to give back but it also i believe shows the public you know as tournament anglers we don't always have you know, the, I'd say the, the best lights shine on us. You know, we always, it's, oh, they're taking up our parking spots at the ramps or we're casting at people's docks. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is a way to try to show that we're not just all self-serving. We, we want to do some good. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think it, it's a great thing. Um, 
I'm surprised it hasn't got more notoriety in the in this state as well. Uh, hopefully we can help that out just a little bit. But man, what a what a great cause! An amazing amount of money raised. Uh, an incredible fishery down there. Some big big bass anglers, like you mentioned, taking part in it. So wish you all the luck in the world. We're looking forward to uh, to trying to tell the story with Prairie Sportsman as well. We're going to be down there filming it this weekend, and that show will air uh, during our new season uh, sometime next spring, probably between uh, January and May. So Joe Hall, Dick Hiley Bass Classic taking place. Uh, where in Wabasha? If people were local people down there listening, or if somebody wants to travel down and see things, where in Wabasha is it all taking place? place at so we'll be going out of um the isaac walton park so it's the main boat ramp and we park our vehicles over at the old fairgrounds so we're again not taking up those parking spots for duck hunters or anything like that but we'll have some giant inflatable ladders that you know kind of um we really have have just i'll just say we've gone out all out this year we have uh, obviously the the wabasha fire department shows up both mornings where we do the national anthem and it's just a it's a fantastic fantastic uh way to start this this morning this this whole event this weekend and the atmosphere is really electric so uh, you know before we I, I know it's cliche but before we even put a line in the water we're just all just so happy that we've accomplished what we have and we've done some good if we go out and catch some fish great yeah. but you know when you, when you see those kids and what they're going through, it just reminds you you've got a lot to be thankful for. Well, congrats on the amount raised so far. Good luck on the tournament this weekend, and uh, we'll see you down there. Joe Hall, thanks okay. for the time today on the show. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.